Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number 9 of Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to read from Daniel 1 verse 11 through verse 16. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink, and gave them pulse. And I'll stop reading there. Now, in our last study, we uh, were talking about Melzar, the prince of the eunuchs. We were referring to the prince of the eunuchs as a type and figure of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's a prince, and we know Jesus is a prince and a savior, and he's prince over the eunuchs. And God uses eunuchs as um, a figure of the true believers. Also, it said in Daniel 1 verse 9, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And that also fits with God's salvation program. That's language that identifies with the grace that God bestows upon those that he saves. So, um, for those reasons and others, we were looking at the Prince of the Eunuchs as a figure of the Lord Jesus Christ. And especially because it's the Prince of the Eunuchs that will eventually take away the king's meat and the king's drink and replace it with pulse and water. And at the end of the last study, I mentioned that pulse identifies with the latter rain. And, and so I'd like to look at that right now in verse 12 of Daniel 1. Again, Daniel is saying, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, first of all, Prove thy servants. And a little later we'll look closer at the word prove. But for now, look at Psalm 26 and verse 2. Examine me, O Jehovah, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Now this is a Psalm of David, and David's the type of Christ. But also we know that David was a true child of God making request of God to examine him and prove him. That is, prove thy servant. Just as Daniel 
is making request of Melzar to prove thy servants. And the word prove is, is a word also translated as try. It, it, it does mean to test because the problem here is that, uh, Daniel had made request that uh, him and his three friends not eat or drink the provision or the food that King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, had determined that they were to eat and to drink. And and so uh, he's asking to take that away and to give uh, another food and another drink, this pulse and water. And yet Melzar is fearful in verse 10. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat, and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. And he was afraid that uh, he would die, he would be killed, if the king found out that he had replaced the diet that the king had required. And the way he thought the king might find out is if he saw their faces um, in worse liking. And the word worse liking is translated as sad in, in another place. If they, they didn't look um, healthy, we would say, if they didn't look well and glad and rejoicing, which is what the word sort means, then... Shall you make me endanger my head to the king? Well, Daniel saying, Prove thy servants. That is, let's do a test. Test us and give us this pulse to eat and water to drink. And then after 10 days, uh, you, you can look on us and, and see what our faces look like. You can, you can, um, see whether were looking sad or ill or unhealthy and, and and so forth. And at the end of the 10-day test, if they did appear unhealthy or sorrowful looking in any way, well, you can be sure Melzar would have said, you must eat the king's meat and drink the king's drink, the king's wine. And no more questions about it. We did the test. You failed, and you must uh, do this. And, and then Daniel and his friends would have refused and more than likely have been killed. But but Daniel and his friends are trusting God that God will help them, that God will uh, cause them to have this rejoicing look, that God will make them healthy looking and and they'll pass the test at the end of the ten days. And and so that's what Daniel is making request of the prince of the eunuchs. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee. And, and notice that language, which is language that God's people do um, approach God with. We beseech the Lord. We We cry out. We... Uh, make supplication as we pray to God. But you see how it fits 
uh, with Daniel beseeching the prince of the eunuchs, because the prince of the eunuchs, again, is a type and figure of the Lord Jesus. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Well, we understand water and and the spiritual significance it it relates to the gospel the 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 water of the word the the water of the truth of the scripture the, that's very clear typology we we have no problem with it but what is pulse what is pulse well pulse the hebrew word is 2235 in um, Strong's Concordance, and the Hebrew word would be pronounced something like Zoroah. A related word is 2232, Zara, um, and, and also um, 2233 and 2234. Actually, each one of those words in the concordance, and please take a look. 22, 32, 33, 34, and 35, which is pulse, um, are all identical in their consonant form. That is, the, they have three Hebrew letters, and the three Hebrew letters are identical. What sets them apart is the vowel pointing, the vowel pointing that was not part of the original text. God did not inspire the vowel points, but they were added later. And, and, and so really these words are identical. And a 2232, as well as 33 and 34, uh, it, is translated as the word seed. Well, 2232 is also translated as bear, uh, conceive seed, set with sow, sower, yield. 2233 is translated, uh, uh, among other things, as seed, seed time, sowing time. And 2234 is translated as seed. It consistently, the meaning of the word is seed. It's the word um, that's in Genesis 1, verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth. And it's the word that's in Psalm 126. I'll read verses 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And in those two verses, so in Psalm 126, verse 5, is 22.32, and seed in verse 6 is 22.33. And, and again, these are identical to the Hebrew word pulse in the consonants. The vowel pointing is different, but, but, but they are identical words. 
And uh, we can see that pulse means seed or that which comes forth from the seed. And in Isaiah chapter 55, here's what God says in verse 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And here God is, uh, he, well, of course, he's naturally referring to rain and snow and, and the water that causes the earth to bring forth and bud and produce seed for the sower and bread to the eater. And then he relates it to his word. And we know in God's, uh, gospel program that that he speaks of uh, the sending forth of of his word into the world uh, in in the framework of times and seasons of sowing seed. He he speaks of the early rain and and the early righteous rain that would produce the the first of the first fruits. And the first fruits themselves, Jesus is called. And then he speaks of the early rain that produces the, the crop of first fruits. And that identifies with the church age. Then he speaks of the latter rain. And the latter rain brings in the final harvest of the great multitude of those to be saved during the great tribulation period. God consistently Throughout the history of the world and throughout the scripture lays out a gospel program of sending rain in their proper season to produce the, the crop, the seed will grow and, and so forth. And so Daniel and his friends are in Babylon and we know that they're there because Judah has been conquered and uh, God has given up his people, the, the Jews, into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And it's all a historical figure pointing to the time of the end when God gives up the church as he brings the churches of the world into judgment and he turns them over to Satan, yet at the same time or in the same season, the little season of great tribulation, at the same time during the second half of the great tribulation, God works out a program of sending forth the latter rain. It's what we read in Joel, in Joel chapter 2. Beginning in verse 23, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in Jehovah your God. For he has given you 
the former rain moderately or righteously, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month or as the first, and the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. The rain will produce the harvest. There, there will be wheat and, and wine and oil. There, there will be plentiful food. And it comes as a result of the rain. You will have seed for your food. And, and the seed will, um, will provide pulse. It'll provide pulse. Pulse is that which comes from seed. It's vegetables and fruits and, and it, it is, um, naturally good food. Uh, even today, when people want to eat healthy, they turn to that which, um, in, in the natural world, they turn to that which grows from seed and, and the plants. And so we eat produce, we, we eat, um, uh, vegetables and we eat fruit. And if you tell someone, well, yeah, I've changed my diet and I'm starting to eat, um, uh, many more greens and, and many more servings of fruits and, and vegetables, then they're going to say, well, you're eating healthy. And, and that's true in the natural realm and it's true spiritually because basically what Daniel is saying to the prince of the eunuchs is that we desire to eat that which is coming forth from the latter rain. The rain that is falling at this time during the great tribulation outside of the churches and congregations, that no latter rain fell within the corporate church. There was not a drop of latter rain that penetrated into the church of any nation, into any denomination of any church in all the world during the entire Great Tribulation period, during the season in which the latter rain was saturating the earth, uh, the the uh, word of God was covering the nations of the world outside of the church as the waters cover the sea. And yet within the church, there was famine and drought and they had no food because they had no rain. And uh, yet outside the church, and that's what Babylon is picturing. Babylon is picturing the world. Remember, we we spent some time looking at that, that God spoke of the people of Judah that would go into captivity as good figs. And those that refused to go into captivity, uh, to go to Babylon as evil figs. Because those that went into captivity are picturing the elect that come out of the churches and go into the world. And and that's where Daniel is. And out in the world, Satan rules. So they're under the king of Babylon. But out in the world, God has made provision for his people. 
God has made provision by sending forth the rain, and the rain will produce a harvest. It will produce a crop. The rain will bring forth seed for the sower and bread to the eater, and that's what Daniel and his friends are making request of the prince of the eunuchs. Again, it must be a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ because only God has the power to replace the the uh, unfulfilling and, and dissatisfying food of the evil king of Babylon, the, the nourishment that the world attempts to pass off uh, to its subjects. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can can put that food aside and replace it with the food that comes from the rain, the last rain. It's the latter rain. There'll be no more rainfall, spiritually speaking, in God's program after this. And so Daniel is making requests for himself and his friends. Uh, uh, I beseech thee, prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Ten days. And and that was the period Daniel was making requests uh, would be the length of the test. And we know in the Bible that the number ten, the number ten is consistently Old Testament and New Testament all throughout the Bible used to represent spiritually completeness. It's why God speaks in the Psalms of owning the cattle upon a thousand hills. And and we've asked this question before, but it, it does um, show what the thousand points to. And, and by the way, uh, ten, hundred, thousand, ten thousand are all multiples of ten and and in giving multiples of ten, it does not change the spiritual meaning, which is completeness. And so God says he owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. And is that true? Is it only a thousand hills? Or is it all hills? Is it the completeness of hills and mountains that God owns the cattle upon? And we know it's it's all hills. The thousand is standing for the completeness of all. Or when when we read of ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, ten coins, one hundred sheep, a thousand years as Satan is bound, and so forth. It's always the completeness of what is in view. When Christ comes with ten thousand of his saints, it is all the saints Every one of them, the complete number of elect. And so it's actually a very, very consistent uh, teaching in the Bible that that we can know when we see the number 10, it points to completeness. Well, what is the 10 pointing to here? Uh, And we, we wonder, because we know that Daniel is asking, prove us ten days. And then uh, it says in verse 15, 
and at the end of ten days their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So the, the ten days came and went, and then time continued, or the experience of these young uh, Hebrews within Babylon continued after the ten days. And so we we know this is either the completeness of one of two things. Number one, it could be the completeness of one particular test within a series of many tests. And that does fit with what God did during the Great Tribulation period. We know from our own experience our own history now, since the Great Tribulation is past, the actual Great Tribulation began on May 21, 1988, and continued through May 21, 2011. It was an exact 23-year period, an exact 8,400 days. And we know that throughout that time, God was testing He was testing his people by the opening up of the scripture to reveal doctrine that had been sealed and and unknown. It was truth that was not properly understood in all the history of the church age or the history uh, since it was written in the Bible. And then at the time of the end, as God said to Daniel, um, seal up the word until, or till the time of the end, and then knowledge will be increased. And so the Lord took off the seals once we reached the year 1988, once we entered into the Great Tribulation, because that began the end of the world. We, we've been in the, the stage of the end of the world since then, and the time of the end. And so God opened the scriptures and began to reveal things about his word. He He's revealed the biblical calendar of history. He's revealed the timeline for the church age and great tribulation and so forth. And every time the Lord reveals something, it, it's typically a, a proving ground. It's a test that proves his servants. And perhaps there's no better example of that than the information concerning the end of the church age. God opened up his word suddenly. We had known for some time that the gospel light was going out, the churches were increasingly unfaithful, but then it was revealed that it actually was an end of the church age, and and God's people were to get out of the churches and congregations, to depart and never return. And this was doctrinal information that God unsealed, opened up to the understanding of his people that required action. You, the, the, the kind of doctrine that God revealed during the Great Tribulation required action. It wasn't something, in other words, that you could say, yeah, I understand that, and I see how the Bible's teaching that intellectually, and then just continue doing what you were doing and going to church. No, if if you understand, if you 
solid spiritually, then it was necessary to act by leaving the church because God was commanding depart and and flee to the mountain. That is, go to the Bible alone. Go to God directly and come out of your church and congregation. And it, it was a huge, enormous test. What do people, because the problem with doctrine normally is that people can give assent to doctrine. They can acknowledge it or say, yeah, I, I believe that. Uh, that's my understanding. Uh, and it's an intellectual assent uh, with, with things, with particular doctrines. Now, actually, doctrine often, uh, in other areas comes to a point of proving. Uh, for instance, someone may give assent, Sunday's the Sabbath, and we're not to do any work of any kind on the Lord's Day, and then they're, they're not tested in that area. Uh, but maybe five years into having that understanding, suddenly their, uh, their company is changing and, and says that we need everyone to work on Sunday. And, and now there's the proving ground. And that, that could always happen with any doctrine of the Bible. But oftentimes people hold doctrine and they're not tested on the doctrine. But now that this was a test that was unavoidable, God was issuing forth a command to his people, come out. And it was um, primarily through this test that he would accomplish the separation of the wheat and the tares that had been growing together within the churches and congregations throughout the church age for almost two millenniums. But now had come the time of the end to uh, to separate this harvest and and to bring the wheat into his barns and 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 so God used His word. He used His word to prove all these professed Christians that numbered by the hundreds of millions, as many as around two billion within the corporate body, the church. Are you truly my people? Well, the nature of my people is they hear my voice, they obey my voice, and hearken to my command. And here is my command. Depart out of your wicked congregations. The Holy Spirit has left and abandoned the church, and it's been turned over to Satan you cannot stay there any longer. You must get out. And and so the entire Great Tribulation was a, a test in, in itself as a whole. But here was a doctrine individually that was a test. And, and, and many failed that test. And so the 10 days could refer to something... There was an individual test within the entirety of the whole Great Tribulation, which which itself was a test. And then God would open up another test through the Scriptures, 
concerning the teaching of hell and that there is no place called hell where man will suffer forevermore, but it is actually the, the correct way of understanding the language of the Bible regarding the punishment of mankind is annihilation. That is what hell is. Hell is the grave. And annihilation is um, eternal death. You die and you cease to be. You are dead forevermore. You that that is hell. The that identifies with death in the grave. And again, that individual particular doctrine was a proving ground for maybe those that had passed the first test of coming out of the church. And now this they stumble upon. And, and, and that's how the Great Tribulation proceeded step by step, um, day after day. It was a time of, of testing. Well, let's go to a couple of verses in the New Testament in Revelation chapter 2. It says, beginning in verse 8, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Well, here we have some strong similarities uh, between this and what we're reading in Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel 1, Daniel's in Babylon under the uh, authority of the king of Babylon. And actually, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are captive in Babylon. And if you're a captive, you're a prisoner. Well, and, and the king of Babylon in the Bible represents or typifies Satan. So, in a way, they are prisoners of Satan. And, and, and so, or at least that's the, the, the spiritual picture. Now here, God is saying, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. Well, again, Daniel and his friends are in captivity under King Nebuchadnezzar, and they're being proven right away, immediately. They're, they're being tried regarding their diet. And it's not going to end there, because then soon there will be a greater trial when they're commanded to bow down to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, or be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Their time in Babylon also will be a series of trials, a series of severe, grievous trials. And and so here we see that the devil shall cast some of you into prison, 
that ye may be tried. Now, it should be said or noted that it sounds like the devil has a great deal of authority or power, and he does, but only by um, the allowance of God, the permissive will of God. That is, Satan was able to overcome the church, or Satan was able to have his deadly wound be healed, as we read in Revelation 13, and and to exercise even greater rule in the world than he had ever done before at, at the time of the end, as we see all around us today, as, as the world was given over to tremendous wickedness. He is able to do these things, and it gives the appearance of a mighty, powerful um, uh, devil, uh, uh, a foe that that has just tremendous authority and power, and yet it's all accomplished or done through the will of God, because Christ bound Satan for the thousand-year period, the completeness of the church age, and then Christ loosed him in 1988, at, at the end of the church age, to go about destroying and wreaking havoc upon the churches and congregations of the world to take his seat as the man of sin, sitting in the temple, showing himself that he is God. God's the one that gave Satan a greater rule over the nations of the world, so really their sins could multiply um, tremendously preparing them for the final judgment, and now we're in that time. It, it is all done by the allowance of God, and therefore God's actually the one that brings his people into prison, or, or it was God who commanded his people to come out of the church, to go into the world, a world where Satan was ruling in a far greater way than he ever had before. And and therefore, the people of God are following the word of God. They're, they're following the dictates, the stipulations of the scripture, and, and, and serving God as they do so. But uh, it, it, it also appears Satan's the one in control, the one in power, and ultimate authority. He's the one casting into prison. He's the one trying them. And yet it's all God. It, it's all God's doing uh, behind the scenes. It, it would be good for us to keep in mind when David numbered Israel. Remember it says in First Chronicles 21 verse 1, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And when we look at that verse, we, we see, oh, it's all Satan's doing. He's the one behind this, this, uh, uh troubling, um, circumstances and so forth. But when we look to, uh, another uh, parallel scripture in Samuel, in 2 Samuel 24, 
It says in verse 1, And again, the anger of Jehovah was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. And and so on one hand, it says it's Satan. On the other, it says it was Jehovah. Because God's in control of Satan. God has the power over the devil. And, and he displayed that power at the cross when he bound him for a thousand years, limiting Satan's scope and reach and um, the damage he could do amongst the nations while the word of God went forth and and God established churches in all the nations of the world and, and so forth. And, and at the time of the end, Satan is loose by God and God knows fully and completely what will occur. It is according to the plan and the will of God that, that, uh, Satan would do to the churches what he has done. It's all been according to the plan and will of God regarding the tremendous uh, increase in iniquity in the world as the world worships the beast and and does uh, or pays homage to Satan like never before through their evil deeds. It, it is all God's ultimate doing, but but Satan is being used by God to accomplish the Lord's purposes. And, and that's behind the, um, this kind of language that the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Okay. Now, first of all, Revelation 2, 8 is addressed to the angel of the church in Smyrna and Revelation 2 and 3, the seven addresses are to the seven churches and have application to the church age. Satan was active during the church age, going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he could overcome an individual church or even a whole denomination. He he could deceive, and he was sowing tares amongst the wheat throughout the entire period of the church age, and... And so there, there was, um, to a degree, this kind of testing going on in various places, and we can under, we can understand it that way, but also it says the devil shall cast some of you into prison, and that's, uh, future tense. It is what did happen once the church age would end during the time of the Great Tribulation. And there would be a time of trial. And again, the ten days points to the completeness of the trial. And notice God says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And we we see, or will see, with Daniel's three friends that they determined to be faithful to God unto death concerning 
the burning fiery furnace or refusing to bow down to the image. And, and even here, even here, Daniel and these three young men are, are risking death. They're, they're placing themselves in extreme danger by refusing to obey the, the evil king, the wicked, cruel, fierce king of Babylon who would kill them in a second and not even think twice about it. And yet they're, they're desirous seeking to do the will of God. And God, it has to be noticed by us, especially, blesses them. God does bless them as, as they are, uh, proven in this way. Um, notice it says in verse 13, after the request for 10 days, then let our countenances be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. Now, this verse again, verse 14, um, reveals that the prince of the eunuchs is, uh, again, a type of Christ. Because the word consented, is a word, a Hebrew uh, word, 8085, that's often translated as hearkened. Hearken. He hearkened unto them, and the word matter is the Hebrew word debar, 1697. That is the typical Hebrew word for word, um, as in the word of God. So he Hearken to them in this word, this word of God. And, and then prove them ten days. So the prince of the eunuchs hearkens to them. And here's what God says about someone who hearkens in Proverbs 12, or hearkens to the word in Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. So the prince of the eunuchs hearken unto counsel, unto the word, and and therefore is showing himself wise. And of course, Jesus is the essence of wisdom, and 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 so he he does prove them ten days, and then verse fifteen. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Their, their faces appeared fairer and fatter, and as a result, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. They are they are eating of the latter rain. They are being spiritually fed during the great tribulation as they're in Babylon, in the world. They, and not only are they being fed, they're being fed well. Their countenance is fairer and fatter than the countenance of all the other children that are 
partaking of things of the world. They're, they're not enjoying the blessing of the latter rain. So here God again is emphasizing that he will nourish and cherish his people during the, the time of the latter rain when they trust him, when, uh, they're faithful unto death, when, when they are following the, the way of the word of God. Now, fairer and fatter. The, the word fatter, um, is a word that we find 13 times in the Old Testament. And in Genesis 41, it, it's found six times out of those 13. In Genesis 41, in verse 2, when Pharaoh has a dream, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. Verse 4, And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. In verse 5, And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. The word rank is the word fat. Fat and good. In verse 7, and the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now, it's found a couple more times in verse 18 and verse 20. Um, and the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat, the, did eat up the first seven fat kind. S- uh, six out of thirteen times, the word fat or, or fatter in our verse in Daniel is found here in Genesis 41 regarding the dreams of Pharaoh, the dreams that that Joseph will be given understanding of and interpret, and those dreams will speak of seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. That's the interpretation. And God further interprets the seven years of famine in Acts chapter 7 verse 11 by calling it great affliction, which is the two words in the Greek, uh, mega philipsis, that are translated great tribulation in Matthew 24. So the seven years of famine, we, we correctly understand to typify the great tribulation period. And so we have a tie-in with this word fatter being used of Daniel and his friends, their countenances, their faces were were fairer and fatter, and and they were in a period that it identifies with the Great Tribulation, and here in Genesis, where the the seven kine and, and the seven ears of corn, rank and good, fat and good, that that identify with uh, a bountiful harvest, uh, plenteousness, and, and so forth. And it's also significant that it is during the seven years of plenty, and, and by the way, the word fairer is also used several times in Genesis 41. Um, it, it's the word in verse 5, and he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, Seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, ranking good. That's the word fairer from Daniel 1. Or in verse 22, And I saw in my dream 
Behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. Verse 24. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. The word good is fairer. So we have both words, fairer and fatter, in regards to this harvest that that God will use to relate to the Great Tribulation. And not only that, but um, it, it says in Genesis 41, in verse 33, Now therefore, and this is Joseph speaking to Pharaoh, Now therefore let Pharaoh... Look out a man discreet and wise and send him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And that's exactly what happens um, in verse 47. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the store in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And then when when the days of famine came, they opened up these storehouses to give or sell corn to the Egyptians. Later, Jacob hears there's corn in Egypt, and and it starts the migration uh, from Canaan of of the family of Jacob into Egypt, and then finally they come into Egypt. Joseph reveals himself and nourishes them the second half of the famine or the second part of the great tribulation. Jacob and his sons are fed by this corn. That, that the dreams portrayed, uh, as being fat and fair or good, uh, and, and they were kept alive. They were fed by this corn. In other words, the seven years of plenty, as God provided that historically, and as that grain was, corn was stored up, identifies with the scriptures that would be unsealed and and would be the means of the Lord blessing his people with spiritual food during the famine of the great tribulation. They would be fed from heaven above by the Lord's opening of the scriptures, the storehouse where grain, spiritual grain had been sealed. It had been stored up until that time. And, and that, uh, means that when Daniel and his friends are said to have countenances that appeared fairer and fatter, use, and, and God is using the two words that, uh, strongly relate to the bountiful harvest that would be 
opened up and and uh, given to the people of God at uh, uh, the necessary point, the most needful point of the famine of the Great Tribulation, that it's further confirmation that, number one, Daniel, in, in this part of the book of Daniel, is speaking of the Great Tribulation, and not only the Great Tribulation, but its second part, as God's elect did leave the churches and go into the world. And once out in the world, things are not, uh, we would say, rosy. They're, they're, it's not carefree, that's for sure. It's not an easy existence. It's trying. It's difficult. And, and there is much danger. And yet, God gives His people a heart to trust in Him. Uh, a heart that desires to do the will of God, to keep His commandments. And as the Spirit of God leads the people of God into obedience, well then God blesses them with the latter rain and they are well fed. It, it, it's not that, um, they have just enough food to get by, but they have abundance of food. They, they have all the spiritual nourishment that is necessary. So much so that their countenance appear fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. And that would be all the professed Christians in the churches. They're eating the portion of the king of Babylon's meat. All those that are outside the churches that are not following really the Bible. God's people are satisfied um, with the proper food that is the healthiest for them. Uh, their, their soul is prospering. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.